The following podcast is a proud member of the Blue Collar Roots Network. Find all the shows by visiting bluecollarroots.com. It's like your favorite call-in radio show, without being able to call in, and without being on the radio. Building HVAC Science with Bill Spohn. Welcome back to the Building HVAC Science Podcast, where it's our goal to create better, more knowledgeable HVAC and building performance technicians by helping the two professions work better together and understand each other, with the ultimate goal of making customers happy in the homes they live in and the buildings they work in. Today, we're going to talk with Andrew Greaves and learn about his non-traditional career journey that took him from building maintenance to the Director of Education and Customer Experience for NAVAC Global. You'll find a link for that in the show notes. He received his HVAC training via Community College Night School, but is self-taught in video and audio production. And there's also a link in the show notes to his YouTube channel. And you can search for that in YouTube under Andrew Greaves, G-R-E-A-V-E-S, his last name. Andrew suggests if you're looking for a mentor, perhaps you first start with a correct collection of virtual mentors sourced from social media like Facebook, YouTube, or LinkedIn. In our discussion, he emphasizes there's no excuse for not learning in this trade. There's so many ways. He also notes key traits he's identified in himself that helped his career. Things like integrity, authenticity, and communication. Andrew suggests you be bold. You put yourself out there. You may need to discover what you can do by trying out various aspects, perhaps learning or honing a skill, and perhaps even failing a little bit along the way. Now, he admits he never saw himself in this current role five years ago. He also notes you will learn from some what you should do and learn from others what you should never do. Andrew suggests you leverage your experiences, no matter how basic, by trying to perform the best at everything you do. Never stop learning. We hear that a lot lately. Also, you may need to ask for help sometimes, so have the humility to do so. And we close with a statement to keep your options open. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Andrew Greaves of NAVAC Global, talking about how leveraging his technician experience helped to springboard him in the industry. Thanks for tuning in to Building HVAC Science again. We're going to focus on an HVAC minor legend. <laughs> How's that? Will you accept that? I'm flattered, Bill. Thank you. Okay. So in case you can't recognize his voice, that's Andrew Greaves. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me on today. Yeah. So I first met you maybe four years ago, five years ago. Not sure. Sounds about right. Certainly online a little bit earlier than in person, but I wouldn't say probably AHR in Chicago, probably 2017 or 18. Yeah. So give us your background, like a little bit about what you're doing now, and then just spin the time wheel backwards to when you got into HVAC. Yeah, sure. As of today, I am the director of education and customer experience for NAVAC Tools. So that's a mouthful there. There's a couple different hats, but it's been a really interesting transition and some fulfilling work for me. But yeah, like you said, if we turn the clock way back out of high school, I got kind of a late start into the trade, comparatively speaking, to a lot of other people in my position. I went right into the Marine Corps out of high school, eight-year contract. And in the military, I did zero HVAC-related tasks. So I was a heavy machine gunner. I got out of the military in 2008, and they just didn't need 50-cal gunners back here stateside. So I had nothing to really slide into. 
apples to apples at least, right? So had to go to the drawing board. School seemed to be the natural next step. There's some great benefits out there for veterans in the education arena. So I took advantage of that and used the post 9-11 GI Bill. To any veterans listening right now, it's a great educational benefit. It'll pay for your tuition. It'll also pay you a housing stipend while you're attending school. Depending on your geographical location, it pays you as an E5 with dependents. So it's a really, really generous benefit to give somebody a leg up. And if they put it into the right field of study, that can really jumpstart their career post-military. So that's what I did. I went to school and I went to school for HVAC. Oh, cool. And thank you for your service. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. What was the HVAC school like? What did it consist of? I went to a community college program, two-year program. So for me at the time, I was working maintenance already, which was something that I told people this before, particularly in areas where really the requirement for the companies in the area is for three, five years experience. Because you'll see that sometimes when we're in an employer's market, which we were at the time of me going to school, it was really tough to get that foot in the door for even an apprentice position at a residential HVAC company. So they had plenty to pick from apparently. So they set the standards pretty high and I didn't have a way to bolster my resume in an honest way without getting creative. So my kind of stepstone into the trade was to get a job as a maintenance technician, building maintenance, much lower bar of entry, whether that's hospitals, hotels, commercial buildings like that. Just going to school for HVAC, just having your EPA 608 is a huge plus for those types of positions. They put a lot of value in that. So you're going to get your foot in the door that way. And then at that point, you put in some time. Now you do have the liberty to put on your resume. Hey, in addition to maybe painting and some plumbing and this and that, I also was in charge of the maintenance service and repair of 300 water source heat pumps. Now you've got that flexibility to go to that employer and say, you do have a little bit of hands-on experience. And particularly if you've coupled that and reinforced it with night school like I did or day school, if you're going full-time in the day, it's a really good combination when you're in that scenario of not being able to get that entry-level position. Yeah. And you also proved to yourself that you enjoy or at least can wrap your head around that kind of work. It's a great way. Well, frankly, building maintenance in general does give you a little taste of everything, right? You figure out really quick what you excel at, what you hate, what you enjoy. And I knew right away, just from the few years that I did that, HVAC was always the most mystical of it all. That was the one area that you really could only go so far before you had to involve contractors. And I would see contractors come in. I would have contractors come in. And I always kind of wanted to hang around. I was that guy that all the technicians lament about on social media, the over the shoulder, except I wasn't actually there to give them a hard time. I was genuinely intrigued in what they were doing. So I was kind of the guy hovering there, watching what they were doing, trying to see why they were doing this or that. So it was a good choice. It was a natural decision for me to focus on that in school. In your role with NAVEC in education, do you see any parallels or do you draw from that experience since you were in that role? I mean, do you get to talk to people at in programs? Yeah, I have a, I would be the direct contact within NAVAC to interface or work with trade schools or instructors, whether that's putting together some kind of program with that school or setting up training, developing the curriculums. You're putting that out there, right? If someone who's listening says, hey, this resonates, how can they follow up? I mean, we're not done yet. So. <laughs> 
Right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, that is something that my door is open for. And certainly we bumped into each other pretty recently in Las Vegas, the Educator Expo. And that was certainly an example of having a lot of opportunity to meet with and rub shoulders with some great instructors all over the country that I probably get just as much out of them as they would out of us over at NAVAX. So really some great networking opportunities. And yes, back to your question, taking from my experience at school, yeah, I put a lot of value in the nerdy side of things here, right? So the things that you get some people saying, you really just need to get a great mentor, hands-on from the beginning, so on and so forth. I have a lot of respect for that and people who have been able to do that. I wasn't afforded that opportunity. I didn't have a great mentor early on. I didn't grow up being brought out to the garage and then tinkering around, stuff like that. So I had to come up to speed academically right, at the same time. So I put a lot of value in that. And I think you can only go so far with just a hands-on approach. I think if you are going to branch out beyond certain ceilings in this industry, I'm not saying you need a college degree. I'm not saying you need to shell out 25 grand on a for-profit school. You do have to crack a book open though at some point. Or a video. No get around on that. Absolutely. And that's my metaphor for media in general, multimedia in a educational capacity. Yeah. Things have really changed in the last five years on that regard. And I think you'll agree with me because you went to the symposium, but HVAC school has got some of the best stuff out there. And they also interrelate with other people with good content. So it's a really nice hub to grow from if you haven't listened to that or looked at their app or their blog or anything like that. Brian Orr's done a tremendous job creating a point of nucleation for really solid education. Absolutely. And not only has it proven that the learning side of it can be fun for those who don't like to read per se, literally read the free educational content available at everyone's fingertips, no matter what stage they are of their learning journey. It's astounding. And it got to where you could fill every single gap in your day, every inefficient gap in your day with learning as a technician, as a young technician, whether you're an apprentice and frankly, you should go well into your journeyman phase as well. One of the best things you can do is make use of all the windshield time between calls. And that's like you said, where some of these other, well, not video while you're driving, but the podcast, right? So listening to this show, HVAC school, all the podcasts out there, there's such a plethora of knowledge and great opportunity to fill in the gaps on your, your skill set in time that you would normally just be listening to music or whatever you do when you drive. So when that it's out there. On, yeah, it's out there. It's out there. And then when you get out of the van and you're back on the roof, you put it back on. I mean, we're in a point where there's not a lot of great excuses to not put time into yourself outside of work. That includes people with families. And then that's the excuse I would have given early on. When you're married, you start having kids, you can only divert so much time, right? Traditional night school, maybe, or that kind of thing. This is the answer. This is how you can circumvent those challenges. And it's bite-sized too. It meets consumable. Absolutely. Different topics and things you can stop and start and pick up again. So I'm trying to think back. I think we met you when you were working for university. Is that right? Or you're doing contract? Johnson Controls. I was at Johnson Controls, I think. And we were the university. You're thinking the University of Kentucky, I believe. Yeah. So that was a very fun meetup. That was with Eric Preston, Jim Bergman, Rudy Leatherman all came down and we got a NAVAC. Yeah, it was an industrial NAVAC vacuum pump. We wanted to, I think, do an experiment. We wanted to see how that pump played out using true blue hoses on a 
massive machine and I had access to the machine. So it was a great mutual. I said, well, I'm keeping the pop. That's what I want. <laughs> so the great white, right? At the time, our VP at Navac, Steve, he said, yeah, go ahead, keep the pop. Let's make this video. Let's see what we can do with this pump, with these hoses on this machine, 2,500 tons centrifugal chiller, new install. And it was a blast. We learned a lot and we made a great video. I think there was a lot to learn there. All of us, we all learned something. That video is on your channel? That video is on my channel still. I think there's been shortened versions of it that have been added to Navac's channel. And I'm not sure if Facu Tools did the same. But uh, yes, it's certainly on my channel, which is just my namesake. It's just mm -hmm. Andrew Greaves. And again, a great example of being able to learn a lot without reading three chapters out of a textbook, which is great. But again, if that's not your style, that's where hitting the internet and tapping into a lot of that free content that's in the trenches too. I mean, it's right there at ground level on the equipment. I think that's the most significant part of it was it was very much hands-on and you could dissect it and appreciate it as though you were there. That was the great thing about doing that. Yeah, absolutely. And what was good too is it didn't go as planned. It didn't go smooth actually. Now edited, it came together really nice. It was actually a very frustrating day <laughs> early on. And that actually turned out to be what made that video such a unique twist at the end is that we thought we had some amazing, especially for Navac, right? And AccuTools, we looked like we had this buttoned up, this incredible, unprecedented performance, which we had a great performance out of both products, but not like we were seeing in the beginning. And it turned out we actually had some much bigger issues that dragged that job on. It took some time to figure it out what was going on. But once we did, it was just a really neat, unplanned, unexpected opportunity to learn. I like the one video. I think it was in an office there. You were interviewing Jim and you did it in black and white. It looked like an interrogation. <laughs> yeah, I had fun with it for sure. I had fun with it for sure. So I had to give Jim a little bit of a hard time. So yeah, we had a, <laughs> a full rivalry early on. Yeah. Yeah. So your YouTube channel, how we connected and how I think Navac connected with you in a way. So what got you into doing YouTube before this latest job? The first thing I ever put up was a video of me. I was out there redoing my van on a, it was over the weekend and I was cleaning out my van and I was rolling up my extension cords and rope and I do it in a way it's not unique, really. It's a kind of a daisy chain method that a lot of electricians use, but I know a lot of people don't do it. So I went ahead and just threw a minute and a half video of me showing how I do that. And I threw it into a Facebook group. It wasn't on YouTube. And just for whatever reason, it got a ton of feedback, comments, things like that. And then it led to other questions about some things in my van that they saw in the background that they wanted to see some kind of a neat freak with the van. So that was another thing that I enjoyed doing was a lot of organization, some OCD for sure. But there was other little things they saw in the background. So the next few weeks, I threw a couple follow-up videos into that same group, showing a few of the other little tips and tricks I'd come along the way. And it got to where I was getting tagged all the time, asking for that video clip. They couldn't find it. And I finally was like, I need to just park these somewhere so I can share the link. And that's how the channel started. And yeah, simultaneously, just goofing around, I had also done some skit type videos for the trade and separated those pretty quickly from the serious videos, but I had some fun on a little comedy, a little page as well, and put some spoofs and skits of things that I found to be true in the industry, but wanted to show it from a technician's perspective and make some people laugh. And you did. You're very successful at that. So thank you oh, for thank you. lightening the atmosphere by doing those kind of things. So do you 
right now you've got a really nice mic that I can see. We're on video now as we're talking and your cameras and things like that. How did you figure all that out? That's a technical area too, audio and visual. It is. And what I will not do on this show here is presume or put the impression out there that I am a tech whiz when it comes to cameras and lighting and stuff. I pretend, right? I faked it till I made it. I did what I could early on. So most of the early YouTube videos, probably half of them was just done on my iPhone and then edited on the little iMovie app on the phone. I slowly started to incorporate different tech into that. I finally got to a point where I wanted to move on to a desktop and begin editing. And then I brought in Adobe Premiere Pro. And even today, Bill, I could probably do 10% of what that software is capable of. So there's only so much I can put in to trying to elevate that skill set further. I got to a point where I was pretty comfortable with what I could do. And it was an improvement, a big improvement from what I'd been doing prior. But in terms of how I picked up on all this, it was just video. Again, like we talked about earlier, I watched a lot of videos. I read a little bit and then I went back to video because I learned better that way. And you experimented, of course. And I experimented a lot. And there's a lot of really bad videos on that YouTube channel. But you're leaving them there to show that it's a journey. I leave them there. It's a journey. It's a journey. People still get them. There's some good messaging in there anyway. But yeah, sure. If you go to the video tab and you flip the chronological order from oldest to newest, it's rough. It's rough. What's the channel again? So what I didn't know is that YouTube is linked at the time, I didn't realize that YouTube was linked with Gmail or your Google account. So it was AKHVAC for years. And not long after I started at Navac, I changed my Gmail address to just my name and my whole Google account. And I didn't realize for a while, actually, because I had taken a break from the videos, but it had changed my YouTube channel to just to my name then at that point. So it's just Andrew Greaves. All right. G-R-E-A-V-E-S. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. Do you think that the work there at UK with the centrifugal chiller led to you getting noticed by NAVAC? Can I say that? Yeah, it did. I would say there's no doubt about that, frankly. And that was the second time that I worked together with NAVAC on a similar concept, right? The first one was the little 2CFM battery-operated pump that NAVAC has. So that was about six months from its initial launch back in 2018. And yeah, I was reached out to about possibly using that, using something. I didn't know what they were going to send me. They had sent a few other things to a few other people. I think Steve Rarden, I think he had gotten a charging machine and there were some other products here and there that had been out there, but nobody really knew had known much about NAVAC or where they were from or who they are, this kind of thing. And I said, yeah, sure. Send whatever you want. I'll play with whatever you send me. And I had opened the box and I saw that pump and I laughed because I was like, I held it up and in the palm of my hand, essentially. And I was like, I don't think they watched my channel before they sent it. I'm in bigger environments. I don't know what this is. This is a toy. This is if I was doing repairs on a soft serve machine or a water fountain or something. Right. <laughs> I don't know what this is. So I held on to it. I said, well, good or bad, I'll hang on to it and uh, use it when I get an opportunity, I guess. And sure enough, I got lucky. And one of the manufacturing facilities that I took care of had a, a front office and the ladies in there were complaining and they got to change out a regular, like a four ton split system. So I went ahead and I knocked it out and I said, that oh, was a perfect opportunity to use it. So used it, put a video up, it generated some buzz. And yeah, that was the beginning of that relationship. 
So the big point there to me is not how great of a channel I had or didn't have. It shows how much the landscape is changing in this industry between manufacturers and distributors and contractors in every direction, in both directions. It's changing. And I find it very interesting that they would have taken a chance like that in pulling me out of a service truck into the role that they pulled me into. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Given that I had no business background or manufacturing experience or anything like that, it shows where the priorities are today and what is looked at as authentic in terms of marketing and reaching the end user and being able to convey the messages in a way that the end user is receptive to. Yeah, I think you operate with integrity. I know from working with you, and that's what hopefully listeners can gather from the summary here and the authenticity. I mean, you put yourself out there in the real world with products and the communication skills. So how did you develop those? What do you credit that to? First of all, doing some of the YouTube stuff helped me come out of my shell a little bit and maybe learn how to, frankly, YouTube's a one direction communication, right? But it did still help me open up because whether it's just me talking to a camera or not, when that camera's on, I still get nervous. I still feel like I'm talking to a live audience. So it helped in the sense of speaking to a crowd. And outside of that, maybe I just have that natural ability to talk to people. And I think if you don't, that's another example of something to put some time into learning. There's again, video, there's a wealth of public speaking or just interpersonal relationships with people and being able to interact with people. And I think if you've got that, if you can develop that, those soft skills, having even five years or less of technical experience in this trade opens a whole hallway of doors. I think just as much as talking to people, it's listening to people. Absolutely. Yeah. I think everyone's been in a room or across from somebody that sucks the oxygen out and it's a very one way. (laughs) I made a skit video about it, the one upper tech, right? But there's one uppers in every industry. It's not just technicians. It's humanity. It's just going to happen. So It is. Brace yourselves. But it's just not a good way to create long-term relationships. So that's probably the first step, like you said, is learning how to listen and feel out what the person on the other side of you needs. Being empathetic to any issues they're having, listening to their issues in its entirety, and then coming up with a solution together that's mutually beneficial. So one thing that I want to point out is I see a lot of people, and I was in this boat too several times, where somebody starts their journey in this trade, and they realize at some point, and I hate to use this as the example, because for some people, this is great. And this is what they do for their whole career. But say it's somebody that's just not cut out to be in the attic or be in the crawl space and do change outs in a residential capacity. And the reason I'm picking on that is for no other reason than the fact that that's what the majority of school programs out there are preparing people for. And it makes sense. But that's the majority of people getting into the trade initially go into that capacity as a helper, gopher, apprentice, for a residential HVAC comfort cooling. Somebody spends maybe say five years and they realize for them, it's wearing their body down. They are stressed out in that capacity. They do not thrive. I know so many people. And and again, I've had times where I felt this way too, that just have left altogether. They get burned out early. They say, this was a mistake. 
I'm going to cut my losses. I'm going to get out of this industry. I'm going to go do get a computer job or go into a whole other industry, go back to school, this or that. And so many people don't take the time or understand that even that three to five years experience, they can take that and leverage it so easily into completely different types of work within still within the umbrella of HVAC. So many people don't utilize that because they feel like maybe in three years, they still feel like they don't know much. Maybe they had a hard time at that. Maybe they spent the whole time at that one contractor. Maybe they're not treated very well. They're an apprentice. Maybe they've got some journeymen that they're working under that don't treat them very well. Their boss doesn't treat them very well. They do difficult work. They feel underpaid, undervalued. Just everything is negative maybe for this individual. And they think this was a waste. There's no value here. There's a tremendous value there. If they know what doors to go knock on, because many of these other sides of the industry sorely lack in authentic, relatable experience with what their end users do every day that they're trying to sell to. So specifically in that case, I'm talking about distributors, manufacturers, and that's probably the most drastic leap, but it's certainly one that I think a lot of people aren't thinking about that could get them in the door very quickly. There's many roads that lead to those way stations on your career journey, a lot of ways of getting there. And I think the other thing I made note of here is you need to know when to ask for help and be prepared for sincere help, but also maybe less than sincere help. (laughs) That could be the work condition thing you're talking about. So in terms of that apprentice in that situation, you mean of asking for help? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes the, and that's going to be in any industry is learning to ask for help when you don't know something and to have the humility to be able to do that and not develop that ego too soon. You should try to never develop it, but not have it developed too soon and keep you from growing. There are other places, like you just said, though, that aren't going to be helpful in that case. And that's a tough one. But if you're listening to this, you're obviously digitally engaged. If you're listening to this podcast and social media does have places to go where you can ask for help and get sincere, authentic help of high integrity. A lot of places out there. Oh, yeah. Especially on Facebook. Some really bad ones, some ones that won't be helpful at all, but you can figure it out pretty quickly. You can really figure it out quickly. Yeah. There's bad info out there on YouTube too, as well. There's a gut instinct that you can certainly go off of when you're watching certain channels or spending time in certain forums and groups. That's a common sense thing. And there may be some bad information peppered in that you can't distinguish, but in many cases, it's going to be a lot better than maybe what you have at work. Because again, you may be stuck with one guy. The first guy that I was working under was awful by every metric. Box of blue rags for recovery and like the whole thing, right? So hook a hose up to the line set, wrap the other end in a rag, push the condenser up, stick the hose underneath and set it down, let it run, let it empty out. By putting it under the condenser under that rag, you're going to minimize the cloud. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Just bad. And a lot of people, again, I told you how hard it was to get that first position out of maintenance. And then you finally get it. And then you're working for a schmuck that doesn't care, doesn't know what they're doing. And I learned, I think this saying, I don't know if it was coined by Jim or if I just heard him say it, but the whole 20 years experience or one year of experience, 20 times over, 20 times over. he was in the ladder there. So in those cases, if you're still doing what you just said, you're listening to the right podcast, you're in the right groups on Facebook, you're watching the right videos to learn outside of work. Well, that's how you combat that. And that's how you begin to see the disparity between that guy you're working with and the way things should be. 
And there's something empowering about that. And you can quietly go about your business with them until you can move on to somewhere better and just keep in the back of your head. I'm still going to learn from you, but I'm just going to learn everything to never do. I'm going to learn the things that I should never do. And I'm going to turn this still into a positive because I've got that backup online in the podcast, et cetera, et cetera. They say that you become by osmosis. I don't know what the word would be, but you become most similar to the three to five people you spend the most time with. To me, that does spread to the digital reality. It's true. It's really it's where your head's at. Mm-hmm. You could be an introvert and still take on some great, you may not have an in the flesh circle of friends to emulate and look up to, but you can do that digitally and still make some really big impacts, positive impacts in your life. A very uplifting conversation. Thank you, Andrew. I knew it would be. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Any closing thoughts for listeners here? I kind of wish I had held on to that other statement for the end, I suppose. But that idea of keeping your options open, if you feel like you're at a dead end, I would just implore everybody. We have such a shortage in the industry. I would just implore people to not jump ship altogether and to really take some time to network a little bit, reach out to people that are in other roles in the industry and see, I think a lot of you would be very surprised at how much value you actually would bring to a different table if you feel like you're not bringing or getting what you need out of the table you're at. Again, I think people just look at, they went to school, it was a technician program, they know they come out, they know, well, I know that there's residential, I know there's commercial, and maybe heavy commercial, there's a couple other big categories, refrigeration and industrial and stuff like that, but they don't think out even all the peripheral stuff that support all of that. They don't think of testing and balancing, they don't think about controls, They don't think about building science, right? They don't think of the distribution and the logistics and the sales and the manufacturing, all of that, the education, the training. There's just so many places to springboard into with that initial experience, whether it was positive or negative. So if it was positive, by all means, many people spend their whole life in, again, I wasn't picking on it earlier, but say it was the residential technician or installer. Many people spend their whole career there. It's incredibly fulfilling for them, whether they work for somebody or they, they end up starting their own company. That's usually the lowest hurdles is to start. If you're entrepreneurial, that's where you probably want to stay until you get the chance to start something yourself. But there's just so much more there. And I, I think that's just, if I would have anybody take away anything from this, it's that I didn't think or see myself five years ago. I would have laughed if you said that I'd be where I am right now. This was not on my radar. This wasn't something I was seeking out. I didn't seek out a position with NAVAC or on the side of the industry I find myself in now. Things fell into place. Things happen when you put things out there. And it doesn't have to be a YouTube channel per se. That's kind of what started that momentum for me. It's what opened some doors and put me in touch with certain people. But there's other ways to do that. It doesn't have to be on that scale. It doesn't have to be in that format. But just know that you don't have to be stuck in a stag, what you perceive to be a stagnant vocation. You can stay in this industry. You can leverage what you've learned into something that fits your needs and your skill set, leading to that happiness that everyone is chasing. And you may need to learn or hone a skill in order to get there, or at least explore a path. Correct. And if you don't have the place, if you don't work for the employer that facilitates that for you, you can't expect that. You're really lucky if they do. 
So you got to go chase that. You got to go find that and do it on your own time. And as I think you and I have both beaten to death in this conversation, you don't have to do it at night school. It's what I did. And it's certainly something that's there. But if it's you're at that life stage where that's just not feasible, there are ways to circumvent that. So I think that's the big message in that regard. Awesome. Well, thanks for spending some time with me today, Andrew. Look forward to seeing you out there again at some other event. Absolutely. In the future, if not early next year. Bill, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Likewise. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Building HVAC Science Podcast. The other great trade-related resources and influences out there, including the HVAC School, HVAC Shop Talk, Stephen Reardon, HVAC Reefer Guy, Tool Pros, Service Business Mastery, Quality HVAC, HVAC Overtime, HVACR Videos, and HomeDiagnosis.tv, as well as the inimicable Jim Bergman on the MeasureQuick YouTube channel and other resources. I also host the ResTalk podcast where you can learn more about the rapidly expanding world of home energy ratings and peripheral topics. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Building HVAC Science podcast, which is a production of True Tech Tools Limited. Take care until next time.